This episode of Energy Sense is brought to you by our Financial and Capital Markets Energy Advisory Group, part of S&P Global Commodity Insights. Our team of experts provides the investment community with actionable insight and integrated thought leadership that identify the trends and trend makers of global energy markets. Solutions cover the full energy and natural resources sector, from traditional fossil fuels to emerging clean tech ideas and supply chains, and are available via recurring reports, webinars, robust data sets, and personalized engagements with experts. All right, welcome back to Energy Sense, an S&P Global podcast covering all things on the intersection of energy and finance. This is your host, Hill Vaden, and I'm here today with Johan Utama to talk about Asian gas market, Southeast Asian gas market. Johan, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Hill. Happy to be here. Good. And, and we're speaking to each other. Uh, I'm in Houston. You're in Singapore. So, so we are in the later stages of our week, uh, of our week uh, one of us in the morning and one of us in the evening. So I hope you were having a good morning and understand that it sounds like you've got a, a full house with um, a child recovering from vaccinations. So, so hopefully there's no crying in the background and hopefully all of that goes well for the next few minutes while we're talking. Yep, yep, yep. Um, uh, good evening to you too. <laughs> yes. So uh, we, you and I were talking maybe a week or so ago and I wanted to do a, a to, to have a discussion to understand really the perception of global gas markets, but, but from the view of Southeast Asian gas markets. So there's a lot of focus right now on Western gas markets on, on the US and, and on Europe as so much of the world's gas that can move around outside of pipelines has been redirected to Europe to prepare for a winter without Russian gas or with limited Russian gas. And that gas has come from the, the US from elsewhere. And sitting here in Texas, sitting here in the US, I have more visibility on US gas markets, but I don't have a lot on quote unquote Asian gas markets and Asia is a very large space. So, so I think it's probably unfair to, to describe it as Asia specific and we should probably talk about it on a more country by country basis. So maybe just to get to get us started, Johan, if you could help kind of frame gas markets and select, you know, a couple countries that, that deserve attention as we enter the, the, the Western winter and, right. and how things look this year compared to prior years. Gas produced in the Gulf of Thailand is very rich in NGLs. Mm -hmm. And as a result, uh, Thailand has one of the largest petrochemical manufacturing capacity in the region. Okay. And how has, um, before we get into Singapore, so so, so let's stay on Thailand for a little bit. How has the, I'll call it a global gas crisis, but but how has the, the, the jump in European demand it impacted Thailand. We're, we're talking now on uh, October 27th and beginning to enter the colder months for Europe where gas demand is going to increase in the colder months for the U.S. Um, so how how is, does this year look different? This is really uh, unfortunate for Thailand because its uh, domestic production is in decline. Mm-hmm. So LNG, LNG production has uh, steadily grown from about only 2% of total supply five, uh, 10 years ago. It reached uh, 17 of uh, total supply in 2021. And this year, uh, LNG share has grown to almost 25%. So they're facing a growing demand. But at the same time, that sub- the pool of sub- global, supply, global energy supply is being diverted to Europe. Mm-hmm. Right? So the Euro- European demand pool, how it affects Thailand, basically, 
if we look at Thailand's current demand about 9 to 10 million tons per year, Thailand is only contracted for about half of it. So, wow. so it has to, to procure the rest about 4 million tons, you know, about 60 LNG cargoes from the spot market competing with other Asian buyers and mm -hmm. the high, high bids from Europe. So it is it is struggling, both in spot prices, making spot cargoes available to the country is very challenging, and I think what's probably not really covered is that the promise of high prices in the next one to three years from Europe mm -hmm. is is making it really difficult for. Thailand and even Singapore to con to agree on new supply contracts. Right, so long-term contracts with volumes coming in 2023-2024 is mm -hmm. really difficult to get because the incentive is for suppliers to supply on short-term basis to Europe. Right. And is and what's the storage situation like? Is is that is there a, a robust amount of storage to pull from? Okay, or I to fill we, up, I should say. Yep, yep. We have to give some credit to PTT Thailand's mm -hmm. national company because I think they're they're doing a great job of of trying to meet demand. They they're really pushing in with LNG imports, mm -hmm. and I think. Because uh, ultimately the, the gas price is being blended with everything, so they could somehow still manage the impact of higher cost LNG, because it's muted because it's being blended with pipe gas. Okay. So so I think storage levels are good for now. Uh -huh. But but that's also because they the demand is reacting to LNG. Because the prices are so high. Yeah, the LNG prices are high, but pipe gas prices are linked also linked to oil, and okay. that has also risen. So, on the demand side, there's also been effort both from the government and from the private sector to manage their demand. And is are are we entering a, a seasonal high for, for for Thailand gas demand, or, or is it has that high passed, or, or is it pretty steady? No, going that's into nice. these next yeah. few months. For Thailand, the higher volumes usually come in March to June. March that's to June, when, okay. Yeah, that's when they're having holidays, festivals, and you know, high tourism, high nightlife. That's where they usually the peak of the LNG imports. And so that's to, connected with that power demand, as opposed to winter heating yep. in, in the way that we would associate it with Europe for the US. Yep, similar. Okay, and how about Singapore? I cut you off before you went into Singapore. So, so what's uh, what's the situation with Singapore? All right, Singapore is both uh, LNG importers and also uh, LNG trading. Right, mm -hmm. it has one of the largest storage here. A lot of the LNG trading companies are headquartered in Singapore, but Singapore has been hit. Bad with, by by the scarcity of LNG in the in the market. So on paper, Singapore has more than enough contracted pipe gas from neighboring countries, and LNG supply from the likes of Shell, Pavilion, Exxon to meet its demand. But 
when LNG prices started to rise around mid mid last year, mid 2021, the power generators and other end users are at the time they were just maximizing uh, offtake from pipe gas supply. Mm-hmm. So they were not taking as much LNG as usual. Problem happened when there were disruptions to the pipe gas supply, okay. which, hap- yeah, which happens during a tight LNG market because prices were starting to get high at that time. Storage right. levels were also low. And so so the, the, the local power market was upended. Singapore depends on gas for 95% of its uh, electricity. Oh, wow. Yeah. And most of the gas you said is coming from pipeline. Is, is that Indonesia source or, or where is it coming? Both from Indonesia and Malaysia. Okay. Right. But so, you know, the, the pipeline source uh, was disrupted. LNG storage was not high. And, you know, with LNG, you cannot react in terms of days, right? Right. Right. You, you, you nominate the cargo today, it comes at, at more than 20 days later mm-hmm. right so so there was spikes in the wholesale electric, electricity market which led to financial distress for electricity retailers and so what can, can you talk a little bit more about that what, what what were some of the consequences of that is it hitting the consumer is it hitting firms that were going bust or, or were the blackouts or what could talk a little bit more about that yeah both uh, actually both so the, the power retailers who are who were selling in who were selling to retailers on fixed price mm-hmm. quite quite a number of them have gone bust okay so so there's less less retailers today compared to last year and for consumers yeah electricity prices have escalated quite dramatically so today compared to q3 last year the household electricity tariff has risen 30% and if you compare that to 2020, the increase is more about 50%. Wow. As you're looking forward, when do you expect things to, to kind of normalize? When we look at the global energy market, I don't think it will ease significantly in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Right? In Russia basically stopped most of its pipecast to Europe. Europe will still have procure a lot of LNG to to meet their demand. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be tight for Southeast Asia, and I think the general policy response of of the markets here are basically focused around protecting the local economy. Mm-hmm. So so power generators are advised to have you know, diesel or fuel oil on standby in okay. uh, supplies become tight. Uh, so yeah, first is uh, securing supply, either either gas as fuel or power for power generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, second is uh, dealing with the price impact. So I think it's, it's largely in the form of how the cost will be shared between government, state-owned entities, whether mm-hmm. oil companies or state utilities, and private players and end users. So how to balance the pain, how to share the pain. Right. Right. In, in, in a way that, that still protects the, the economy they are recovering from. 
And are, are Thailand and, and Singapore, the, the two that we've talked about, are, are, are either, are, are they looking to each other and, and adopting similar policies or, or is one behaving differently than the other as they try to share that pain, so to speak? Quite, quite, dif- quite similarly, quite similarly, although, you know, the implementation it differs, I think, in Thailand, it's more of a burden on the state and the state oil company. Mm-hmm. While in Singapore, it's it's I think it's leaning towards the private sector and the end users. Okay. Okay. But, and yeah. You spoke a little bit in your introduction about Malaysia and Indonesia. I think you said both are net exporters. Can you talk a little bit about? their gas markets over the past few months well i would say it's it's not really not a very positive stories right okay uh in terms of of you know benefiting from high prices yes mm-hmm. uh, indonesia malaysia are seeing some benefit from from increased export revenues mm-hmm. but the supply responses ha- frankly quite limited and that's because gas fields in Southeast Asia that are feeding this export pipelines, liquefaction facilities, they are conventional fields. Some are in very deep water. So the gas doesn't come from onshore shale gas wells that takes a couple of weeks to drill. Right, like in the US. Yeah, yeah, like in the US, but here in the region, gas comes from offshore wells that takes probably months only to tender out and bring the rig, the drilling rig to the site. Mm-hmm. So we are hoping to see higher output starting 2023, but I don't think it could be on a scale that would you know, significantly move the needle. Okay. And then so, the, the power demand in each location, are they gas weighted in similar ways that, that Thailand at 55% and I think you said Singapore was like 95%? No, no. So yeah, so Malaysia and and Indonesia are still largely coal-based uh, okay. power generation. Yeah. So I think yeah they can. That's why they're they're exporting gas. Okay. So d- does that mean the the Indonesian and the Malaysian end user that the customers are going to be less impacted? There's been less of an impact. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So much that. They are basically Malaysia and Indonesia are much less exposed to to rising global gas prices. Okay, and, and I think you also mentioned Vietnam. What's the picture in Vietnam? So Vietnam has actually on built a couple of LNG import terminals with the view to to start ter- imports this year or next year. Mm-hmm. But but again, you know, as as long as as the the pool from Europe is, is that strong, it's really difficult for this emerging LNG importers to sign contracts. Right? Sure. And and spot spot cargoes are frankly at level that that's not for, not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Your your is that the, the price is at at level that makes that push that uh, give it more sense to just delay the the input right? stay with with coal and diesel and if you have renewables you try to 
maximize that mm-hmm. because the, the, the LNG volumes not available and what's being offered is not sustainable financially. And you said stay with coal and diesel. Is that, are the power markets in Vietnam more reliant on coal and diesel than they are natural gas? Yes, yes. Uh, Vietnam has some local coal production and it's taking for Okay. So what's the, and I know we're only a few months in, into this, but, but from a policy perspective, it, it sounds like Singapore and Thailand are, are already highly exposed to, to gas markets. Uh, others remain exposed to coal that, that go, brings with it all the climate concerns that, that are associated with coal. Were these other countries, were, were, were Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, were they looking to gas as part of their, call it cleaner energy future, and perhaps maybe second guessing themselves and, and going straight to renewables more aggressively? Or, or were they always looking at renewables and, and gas not being part of a mix in the way that it is? for Thailand and Singapore today? Yeah, I guess uh, certainly there is concern on on gas availability because, yes, uh, Southeast Asia in general has been looking uh, for gas as a transition food fuel. Mm -hmm. They look to retire coal. But the the timeline we're looking at is is probably not this decade. Okay. Uh, Yeah, because, because... there, there was a coal power generation capacity boom in the past decade. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of the coal power plants in this region are quite young. The majority are less than 10 years old. So Malaysia, Indonesia, they're looking to start retirement, large-scale retirement of coal plants are only expected in 2030s and 2040s. Okay, okay. So, so hopefully in that by by the, when the time comes, the LNG market is looser. We have new supplies coming in, and that that transition could could still happen. And are you expecting that transition to be gas weighted, or, or will some of these concerns around natural gas discourage it? You know, when those coal retirements happen, is gas going to miss out on that market share and and go these markets go straight to solar or straight to wind or straight to batteries the challenge here is the scale of demand and demand growth mm-hmm. coupled with a grid that is probably not as mature as in markets such as us or europe so there's the challenge of a very huge renewable capacity needed mm-hmm. and then uh, how how fast can you upgrade your grid handle with it. So I guess it, it, uh, in our outlook, we think there is still space for gas to grow. Okay. All right. One is to replace coal. Two is to handle intermittency of mm-hmm. so long-term, long-term outlook is, is positive for gas. But frankly, the, the immediate, immediate future is is not as positive because as long as high bids from Europe continue to attract LNG cargoes away from Asia, importers will struggle, you know, uh, both in terms of availability and also affordability. Right. 
And so what are some of the responses? You know, you mentioned some of the government involvement. I suppose you're meaning subsidizing some of the ratepayers in Thailand or Singapore. What are thinking longer term if we're expecting high prices to continue? How when your country is 65 percent or 55, what's the number? 55 percent and 95 percent reliant on natural gas. What are some of the policy thoughts that are currently being floated? Okay, so Thailand is encouraging private players to basically share the burden of procuring LNG. Okay. Right, uh, and they they they've assigned an aggregator basically. So, so the focus now is for Thailand is really on getting the volume in. Prices will be will be blended with whatever other sources they have mm-hmm. to, to to minimize the impact on price. That's on Thailand, and I think uh, Singapore is also still focused on on the immediate immediate concern is on supply. The government has established a standby LNG supply, mm-hmm. so government secured. Least actually, at least two floating storage, two two full cargoes, beyond standby, in case of any disruption on either going LNG contracts or uh-huh. the pipeline, the pipeline supplies. That's that's the immediate concern. Okay, and so what are what are some of the things in terms of the next six to twelve months? You, you mentioned floating LNG, other things, but what are, what are what are some things that we should really be paying attention to in these local markets as we're looking for either signs of relief or signs of pressure? I think definitely how, how total demand evolves, right? how gas demand evolves. Even as, because we, what we're seeing is in Thailand, even as the economy is recovering, exports are growing, tourism are coming back, mm-hmm. the total gas demand has, has not really increased. You know that that tells us that there's the pressure from, from supply. There's the pressure from rising gas prices, uh, really showing in stunted demand growth. Okay, and then as we're thinking longer term, you mentioned that you know that there's still a place for gas in these coal-weighted economies. What are some of the the, the longer term term thoughts that we should be be considering? And has the pace of investment, whether that be renewables or gas, or extending the life of the coal, has any of the the, the pace of things changed as a result of what's happened with, with global gas supplies since call it March? I think we're seeing early signs of incentives to accelerate investment mm-hmm. projects projects that that have been. Seeing slow progress being accelerated now. Residential and small-scale solar installation, seeing that picking up. And Vietnam, Vietnam is one one of the larger producers of solar globally. Are you seeing that ramp up? No. So, so it's uniquely for Vietnam. Uh, I think that's that's the, a good example of the grid issues. Okay. Yeah, so what happened is basically solar capacity outgrew the grid capacity. Okay. There's, yeah, where solar is being generated, they cannot export the power the power to where it's needed. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. 
But in terms of investment on or government response, mm-hmm. uh, the 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 immediate response is for the government to focus on upgrading the grid, so so that 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 power that power can flow. To, we are seeing that now being being enacted. That grid okay. Upgrade. So grid upgrades being one of the the, the major focus areas um, for perhaps for, for for all of these economies. Yes, uh, grid upgrades, but the challenge here is that. It's easier to focus on capacity growth, either gas, coal, or renewable, because the private sector can come in there. Uh, you know, they can mm-hmm. in IPP there. But grids are largely state-owned, licensed by by the state utility. Okay. okay. So, so that, that that that's a different set of challenge. Okay. Um, and maybe a different and a, and, a, and a longer conversation for another day. I, I think that we're kind of <laughs> we're opening up a lot of new avenues for conversation and, and perhaps should, should wrap up the, the existing topic here. So, so it sounds like the, the economies that we really should pay attention to as it relates to the natural gas crisis are going to be Thailand and Singapore and otherwise the, the, the rest of these economies are, are still not exposed to gas in the same way as we enter what could be a long winter for certain gas consuming regions. I guess as, as closing, I think what we should look out for is new contracts being signed, LNG contracts, pipeline contracts. Yeah, it, 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 the volumes may not, may not be for 2023 or 2023, but whatever contracts being signed will help in the medium term. All right. Well, that's a fairly optimistic way for, for us to leave it. So, so Johan, thank you for your, for your time to tonight, this morning. Yeah. This has been very helpful to me. I you tell by my line of questions. This is not an area that, that I know a whole lot about. And so I've very much enjoyed our conversation. And I hope we can do this again sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Great conversation with you. Thanks. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit us at spglobal.com. You can also find our experts on social media by searching for S&P Global Commodity Insights on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a topic idea or want to send us feedback? Email our podcast team at energysense at spglobal.com. <laughs>